I think we're live. <laughs> it, 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 we are live, but on my screen, I am seeing just a black screen, so I'm not sure. Oh, really? uh, oh there we go. I was like, wow, can I can I actually see myself? I got a little, uh, little, little uh, confused there. I was like, okay, technical difficulties right off the beginning. But hey, here we are. Uh, I am Antonio Bryce. I'm a comic book writer. Uh, you can catch my book uh, at uh, cardpress.com. You can see it scrolling down there. It's called Brand Way of the Gun. Uh, and uh, I am doing this. I'm going to take this audio. I'm going to put it on my podcast here. Uh, you can find that at anchor.fm. Uh, anchor.fm slash Akari Press. And we're also going to have it on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. This is also streaming live to all the good folks over at Planet EJOBN on Facebook. Uh, about 263,000 strong over there. So uh, salute to them. Uh, and uh, if you are on one of the other platforms that I stream on and you want to come hang out directly in the chat, it is youtube.com slash Akari Press. All right. Well, my guest here is a former artist over at Marvel Comics. Uh, you've seen its work on like uh, Drax, and Captain America, and Deadpool, and New Mutants, and so many other titles. Uh, in 2018, he crowdfunded Red Rooster and raised about $200,000 there. And then in 2019, him and his lovely wife, Elizabeth, they uh, announced the founding of Allegiance Arts and Entertainment, uh, which would put comic books in Walmarts, many Walmarts, for the first time in like two decades, which is awesome. Uh, well, some people are very happy about that, and then others are not. Uh, I want to welcome to the show, uh, Miss Brightweiser. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Antonio. It's a great pleasure to be on your broadcast. Well, it's it's it's. Uh, I've I've wanted to have you here for a while. I've you know we've you know we've talked in passing and we've been on other streams together and always was very cordial and uh, you were always very friendly to me. So I, you know, I was like, I was like, oh my god, I'm. I'm I, I, I'm very fond of Mitch. <laughs> well, I'm nice to everybody until they're not nice to me. So, <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, but uh, okay. Well, let's actually get into the the career of Mitch Brightweiser. Go in, uh, start at the beginning. Where you know, how did you break into the comic book business? Okay, so uh, I knew I wanted to be a comic book artist at a pretty young age since my. Dad brought home uh, some comic books for me uh, when I was like 12. And I was like, oh, well, I was already writing and drawing all the time. So I was like, okay, well, this just makes sense and it's awesome and really super cool. So I became a, a, you know, a big comic book fan after that and uh, kept at it through college. And uh, at, you know, during college, I started putting my portfolio together and traveling around my senior year to shows for the first time. So I'd go to like Chicago and San Diego. Um, those are my first conventions and um, didn't have a lot of luck, even though I thought I was pretty good. Um, but uh, after college, I left Arkansas where we, where I grew up and live today, uh, headed for New York city area, landed in um, basically not far from Hoboken, New Jersey, and just, started knocking on doors, trying to get work as a comic book artist. Took about five years getting some hit or miss work, did a little thing with image, little little tiny thing, like little hit or miss projects. Uh, I, I did a little fill in thing for Marvel, but it I I got a little money, <laughs> got, saved up a little scratch, 
uh, serve coffee. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, did signs, industrial signage design for uh, industrial parks in New Jersey for like five or six years. And then in 2005, I uh, some some sweet little old lady rear-ended me <laughs> and totaled my little cheapo car. And uh, I took that money and instead of buying another car. I bought a one-way plane ticket. I was living in, I'd moved out of uh, New Jersey at the time, but I bought a one-way plane ticket back to New York City and um, just spent the money on an apartment and um, drew and bought a drafting table and an air mattress uh, and drew uh, from my New York, tiny, tiny New York City apartment for about six months. Uh, and I was about ready to hang it up, Antonio. I was really frustrated. It took me about six, I was doing this for about six years, going to conventions and not having enough not really getting that breakthrough I needed. <clears throat> so uh, I had a buddy named Sean Chin who was drawing X-Men at the time. He's a very talented artist. He lived in, Yeah, yeah, he's very, very good and a nice guy. Uh, so I befriended him. He lived in Chelsea. He would skateboard from Chelsea to Midtown every day to turn in his pages uh, on this X-Men book he was working on. So I would call him every Thursday night and say, I've got a new batch of pages. Can you sneak me in the freight elevator tomorrow morning? <laughs> and if he was going to turn in his pages by hand, then he would do that. And so I would every Friday or every other Friday sneak into Marvel's offices and with fresh samples and, um, it, and I'd make the rounds around the editorial floor where I wasn't supposed to be and just ingratiated myself with anybody that would talk to me. If somebody was busy, I'd slide samples under the door. If, um, you know, if they had a minute, looked like they were had a minute, I'd try to engage an editor or especially an assistant editor. Uh, and I just started building some relationships at Marvel that way, like direct. And um, I uh, struck a friendship up with uh, then Avengers associate editor, Andy Schmidt. And uh, about five or six months into this, my money was running out. And I get a call from Andy that uh, said, would you like to try out for this Drax the Destroyer book? And so my answer was Drax the who? (laughs) 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 Sure, Uh, but I'm gonna need some more information. So I didn't know who Drax was, but Keith Giffen was slated to be the writer and it was gonna be just kind of a wild hair, uh, you know, throw it against the wall kind of book, you know? So, and they were just wanted to try out a new artist on it. Tried out. Um, Keith loved the work, and I got the gig. And uh, you know, I, I worked my butt off on the first issue and uh, got paid. And uh, spent. And then I poured uh, everything I had into the second issue uh, stylistically. And then I started getting calls. It's like when you're dating the hot girl, you know, <laughs> and then all the other girls are getting, getting interested. Uh, so DC started calling about about that time as well uh, for a fall initiative they had it for 2000, I guess it was 2005 or 2006. I can't remember. <clears throat> so it's just 2005. Um, and so I called my editor and said, hey, DC just gave me a call and I love working here. Do you guys have anything else for me or should I be on this for issues and um, or should I just kind of start looking around? And uh, I got a call back the next day from Joe Casada, who offered me a two-year exclusive contract. So uh, that is essentially my uh, a break-in story. Uh, and from there, I stayed under contract for a number of years. Uh, I moved 
I left the Northeast, moved back to Arkansas, where I pretty much immediately met and started dating Elizabeth. And then we got married in 2007. Uh, and she was an art student at my former alma mater. And uh, she start, she taught a couple of years of school at a private, at art. She was an art teacher for a junior high and high school at a small private school here in Little Rock. And um, I talked her into trying to learn Photoshop and do some coloring because she thought she might have a knack for it. And I would think I was right. So I forgot. So, uh, so she jumped in around 2009 on, uh, uh, on a book I was doing with Daniel and Charles Knopf called Captain America Zero Point. Uh, and she did some samples as like a test and they liked him so much they just invited her to color the whole book and so uh, she's been coloring comic books pretty much ever since until we until well because we still are but uh, we're just doing our own things now so that's how i got started in comic books as a professional okay well uh alien xenomorph uh thank for the two dollar super chat michael curtis is flipping up well I, I, this, this is not that doesn't mean anything yeah i does like actually uh you know i actually uh dm micah micah and uh you know uh we had a pleasant conversation so if uh i don't think he's saying anything about me i think i think just, you know, no he's been, uh, uh alien uh, alien xenomorph has been here a few times and uh uh, you know, he's been relaying information to me. So uh, I, uh, based on some of the information that he had given me in other chats, I I felt it was necessary. I was like, let me reach out uh, to Mr. Curtis and see if we actually have, uh, if there is a problem between the two of us. And uh, Mr. Curtis, uh, uh, you know, hey, he was he was actually very nice and we we had a nice conversation it was no uh, problem so uh, I, I would actually thank uh, mr curtis <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what the story is behind this uh, uh yeah, it was just, here but it's yeah i think yeah that was a me thing i don't think that was a mitch thing i don't think that was uh, uh thing. but yeah it, yeah based on the history of the chat over the last few weeks but uh uh, I actually want to ask you about your style because the closest thing I can recall to it kind of reminded me. I used to love Mark Wade and Ron Garney's run on Captain America before Rob Liefeld came in and they shut that. But that that original Mark Wade Ron Garney, it, it kind of your style kind of reminded me of that. But I mean, it's a little different. How do who's your art influences? <laughs> that uh, you know, I'm, they're not directly comic book influences. So I uh, started painting at a pretty young age, and I was really inspired by like the the Dungeons and Dragons and Forgotten Realms artists from back in the late '80s and early '90s. I was reading all those books and buying all the art books and stuff for that, and painting in oil and watercolor. Uh, so I was inspired by people like Keith Parkinson and Larry Elmore. Uh, and then kind of came into comic books a little bit after that. And um, and I was really taken initially with Jim Lee, of course, and Mark Silvestri were my two go-to comic book artists back in the day. Um, but uh, my, I think you know, my, my illustration style is probably more informed by, you know, my time at art school than anything else. So like studying uh, Renaissance painters and like, 
digging through all my Loomis books and having them for years and years. So uh, just it, it, I, I'm a big fan also of uh, Andrew Wyeth uh, and his sort of fantasy and storybook paintings. Uh, oh, wait, I mix my Wyeths up. The other, the one that's more the illustrator, I always get them mixed up. Um, and then uh, also a big fan of uh, uh, Singer Sargent's watercolors. He's one of my favorite watercolor artists. So my my in interests and inspirations are a lot further afield than comic books, which I highly recommend uh, for people because that's how, you know, if you're just copying and looking at comic book people, then you're just going to get that. You might you don't want to become a mimic, you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's something to it. You got to I copied artists when I was younger, but, you know, you got to find your own path. I think that was uh, one of the big problems, like early image. Every house is like it looked like all of Mark Silvestri's yeah. uh, top cow people could kind of do his style. Wildstorm. Jim Lee, everybody yeah. <laughs> was like was a lot of fake Jim Lees. There were, but they were young. Like they were hiring young guys. And if you're that young and you don't have like a deep knowledge of art history or art, classical art training, then like that's just what you have to do to get by. And, you know, they're just trying to crank them out and get paid. So I, a lot of those guys went on to have amazing styles, you know, like Dave Finch and, uh, Scott, J. Scott Campbell and many others, you know? Well, um, well, this is like, that's why I was like the extreme, the extreme guys. I had Shelby Robertson here, uh, you know, the other week and, you know, was talking about, you know, he was like 17 and Rob hired him. You know, it was like, yeah. he was basically, you know, like he could mimic Rob's style, you know, <laughs> just gotta do that. And it's gotta, it was his, his, uh, yeah, I thought that was, uh, we had a very interesting conversation about, because I don't know, I find Rob Liefeld very fascinating. I'm a big fan of his, but uh, he can be polarizing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I have never had an, inter well, maybe I've had one interaction with Rob, uh, but it wasn't really, I mean, it was just nothing, but I don't really know Rob. I don't know Rob at all. We've never met, met in person, but so I don't have any negative experiences. And I was a collector of his books in high school. Um, and for me, you know, I knew his work was a little rough and I could tell, you know, but the thing is, as a 15 year old and you're reading this stuff and you're like, I could do that. Like I could do that. It's, I mean, in a sense, he kind of helped inspire me or keep inspiring me towards a career in comic books. Cause it's like, if I, you know, I can't draw as well as Rob at 15, but I can get there by 20, you know, and, and, or 19 and I can do this and I can, you know, create these books and characters. And so I think there's something to that. Well, one thing that I talked about with Shelby was like when Rob first took over on New Mutants and like you saw those early covers and they were all inked by Todd McFarlane, even the one where Cable made his debut and all this like that, that very first Rob Liefeld and Louise Simonson book uh, with the Falcon, uh, well, not, not the Falcon, but the Vulture on the cover with yeah. the guy, Rusty, the, the, the New Mutant and, uh, it was, uh, you know, Todd McFarlane, just beautiful inks on. I was like, I thought something Todd and Rob together was like peanut butter and jelly. They just had to work. You know, it's like, I love that big, with because I always loved all the classic uh, Lee Ditko Spider-Man villains. So to see that big, uh, you know, vulture cover with the wings spread out and it was just beautifully inked. And then, you know, we go another issue and then I think, 
I think it was the third issue where Cable made his debut and you got that classic cover where, you know, uh, Todd inks Rob and, you know, you've got Cable, who was the man Cable and you got the little the little insert panels and the whole deal. So I was, you know, I always loved that. that uh, I, I thought they seemed to, I don't know, he just seemed like he was in his head or maybe he fixed some of Todd's, I mean, um, maybe Todd fixed some of Rob's little inconsistencies or whatever, but some people don't like Todd's work either. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, was that Rob's first cover that you're talking about? I mean, to be inked by a Todd, it'd be pretty uh, wild. So I'm sure he fixed a few things and made it his own. I mean, it's his style is so, you know, it's so himself. So it's kind of, he makes it, makes it his own. So, okay, let's fast forward to uh, November of 2019. Sorry, I've got some yard guys outside. <laughs> you might hear that. They'll move yeah. Yes, but yes, uh, November of 2016. 2016. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the your, your life changed a little bit. Uh, yeah. During so, well, I went from being a uh, guest of... We, Elizabeth and I went from being flown to cons, guests of honor, having some pretty, uh, having a few contracts that are a couple of contracts that got dropped uh, to basically total, I mean, being on the crest, cresting wave of cancel culture, I guess you could say within comic books. So um, yeah, I drew a, a portrait of then president elect uh, that evening of Donald Trump and congratulated him uh, and wished him the best on bringing all Americans together. And uh, that uh, it, I thought it was a humorous image, and uh, he had the sword. No, he had the sword. Well, yeah, it was like inspired by Byzantine art, so it was meant to be hilarious. I mean, it's got a halo. He's clearly not an angel, <laughs> so it was ironic and funny. And um, some people didn't take it that way. Mm. But actually, many people didn't take it that way. So it certainly turned uh, our year upside down, and then it cast us. It put us on a. Um, on a path towards uh, creative independence in a lot of ways that we wanted to be on anyway. So, um, but it definitely kind of threw us off the the cliff, so to speak, to see if we could, you know, sprout wings and fly. But that's uh, that's a basically what happened, you know, without getting into the gory details. And then you you obviously you fast forwarded uh, to twenty eighteen and. Uh, you know, you launched Red Rooster. That's that's when I met you. We were all on Ethan Van Skyver's channel together, and and uh, you know, uh, you were always very nice to me. Thank you, by the way. Because uh, I mean, it was weird. It, my personal experience. Here it is. You know, I'm I'm a nobody. I've never been published. All this kind of thing, right? Uh, I just like comics, and I kind of had an idea on my own. And all of a sudden, I'm on the air with. You know, Mike S. Miller and, you know, I knew the Injustice books. I was like, oh, that's the guy that draws the Injustice books or whatever. You know, it's like, and, uh, you know, then it was you and I knew your work and, and you know, John Malin's stuff, his, his cable was really cool. And I was like, wow, this is uh, this is intense. It did, you know, did met Doug to Naples. And it was, it was crazy for me just as someone that was not, you know, and I was like, wow, I'm on here with all these pros. And it was and obviously Ethan as well. So it was like, loved all the, you know, Green Lantern stuff and Sinatra Core War and all that. So it was like, uh, you know, so I was sitting there going, I'm, it's like a bunch of comic book pros and me. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, there was something there. You had some gravitas. 
So uh, I don't know. I thought you fit right in and did a great job. So I remember, you know, I just remember we had some fun like way back in the early days of this when this was like, a, I got to get the door. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was like, well, some tragedy of me. Never meet your heroes. Explain that, Monkey Jeebus. Please uh, um, never meet your heroes. Please explain. I would love to uh, have you expound upon that. <laughs> and uh, let's see, R2B2 for life. Says, Sorry about that. He kept banging on the door. Oh, no, I'm. I'm, I'm signature. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, All right. But uh, I was just having fun uh, trying to talk with the chat. But but yeah, that was like I said, I was you know, it was it was a very strange experience for me because I was on with all these comic pros and I definitely had never, you know, what I'm saying I never done anything. So I uh, yeah, you have. So now you've uh, now now you're there. You got your book out uh, working on new cool stuff. So, I mean, you're a pro now. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm still, I don't, I, I still don't, I don't see myself. I definitely don't see myself as a pro. I'm just, uh, I'm just a kind of a fan. That likes well, you comedy. get, uh, you get, you're getting paid. I, I, I've done okay, but obviously I'd like to do better and, uh, you know, try to make certain things happen. And, and uh, some of the arrangements and things that are coming down the line, I'm hoping might make that happen. Um, but you know, it's uh, that's that's why I was uh, you know I was very interested uh, when you and Elizabeth announced that uh, Allegiance Arts and Entertainment. Um, tell us what happened. Okay, so you know, like I said, Red Rooster did very well for you. I gotta be honest, I wasn't. I was like Red Rooster. I wasn't <laughs> sure about the concept, right? Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of people think that, but I think. I think we proved them wrong. <laughs> we knew there was, I mean, we knew what we were, uh, I knew there was something here. Well, the art, I, I didn't question your art. It just, the. I gotta be honest, the idea, I was like, okay, you're like in the golden age. And I, I clearly look like uh, old school, like this would have fit on the shelves, like in the, in the, 40s or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It, I, I'm assuming that, that was what you were going for, and then maybe fast forward into modern times. Uh, possibly. I mean, I, well, the, the Red Rooster uh, is a mantle that's passed from generation to generation, and I wanted to focus on uh, this character named Frank Cooper, uh, who was bearing the mantle in the night in the Dust Bowl era. I just and it, it fit the, the the costume fitted the the sort of I just wanted to capture that uh, that mood, and I kind of draw in a style that is a little bit, maybe has a nostalgic flair to it. Uh, you know, I'd like to think it. I have a contemporary style with a maybe with some old-fashioned influences, I guess. Uh, so I think it. I, I think the division and the storyline just kind of meshed and, and is working for me. So. Well, the art that I've seen looks. Uh, matter of fact, because you you have released two digital issues, and uh, sounds like the third got pushed back a bit. Or uh, was yeah, so the the third episode, which will also be the which is twenty six pages, it's also the last uh, the the third act of the Golden Age Indiegogo special. Uh, and so I am drawing it now. I actually have it on my Cintiq here. If you want to take a look. 
Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and you can pop it pop it in if you ever want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me let me do that. Me do yeah, that. I'm drawing it now, and uh, there's one of the pages. Oh wow. Yeah, I was working on that last night. I'll wrap it up early this afternoon and move on to the next one. And I am just moving through the last act of this uh, of this special, which is also the third episode for our Allegiance Arts uh, Red Rooster series. Uh, so let me, let me ask you, because I saw something on Instagram. It looked like you posted up. And it looked like you were actually doing some of it traditionally, or am I wrong about that? I thought you were doing some of it, which I was excited. I love traditional art. That's why I was wondering. This is all digital. I, most of the book has been digital art. I drew a few pages by hand because uh -huh. I pre-sold some. Uh, and I thought I'd do the whole thing by hand, but it's just uh, with it. And I probably would have had I not taken on uh, the the duties of the CEO of a comic book company with distribution two times the size of Marvel and DC uh, and the job of producing three other titles from scratch uh, and everything else it, that has to go with all of this. Uh, but digital just makes more sense for me at this time. So, and I enjoy it too. It, I like the digital process. I'm really having a great time. I had a great time yesterday drawing this page. Okay. So, okay. So, your uh, Allegiance Arts is announced. You guys have been working because I've been hearing some ramblings about this even back in like 2018, but it was still kind of like hush hush. And, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't say anything. Yeah, so I was I was in a real. So the way it happened is that uh, since I have a I, I still have it, I have a business plan I drew up in 2013. So uh, I have a. I had, I had already thought of the Red Rooster title uh, and I was trying to get a great wrap, a great story around this hero that I really wanted to, to, you know, to get to know. Uh, we had the futurist book. We had a, a, I had, I wanted the Bass Reeves thing was something I wanted to do way back then as well. I learned about him in 2013. Uh, so I had all these great things I wanted to do that I'd, so many of them I co-created with uh, our Current our chief operating officer Patrick Stiles, who I met in college, he's the writer of the Futurist book. Uh, very talented, um, and he's sort of our right hand uh, for this whole operation. Uh, but we had a number of books, and I kind of wrapped. I pitched, started kind of pitching them around to business people. Got a little interest, but no one really was ready to jump in. Um, so uh, when Red Rooster hit. Uh, we were shocked. Uh, I mean, we were pleasantly surprised at the success of it. We, a year before, we probably didn't, we didn't think we could probably break, you know, 40, 30 or 40 grand on a Kickstarter because a lot of books didn't, you know, but even by big pros, you know, it's a, it just wasn't, the timing wasn't there. Um, so when Red Rooster took off, it gave us the, you know, the wind beneath our wings and the credibility to take this business plan that we had developed over the last five years and set of IPs and uh, all this, this entire network that my wife and I have built up uh, with a very established, high profile, very talented, world-class artists and creators. Um, and so when the Red Rooster thing broke wide, uh, I got the opportunity to put it in, in front of uh, some interested business people here in the state of Arkansas. And um, I got you know pretty much from then the pitch was essentially that, hey, look, we've got this great network. But not only that, there's there's these issues that are 
and you know, we all know about the issues in the comic book business. I mean, watching that for five years, you know, uh, kind of just come unravel. So I would you know, d discuss the issues within the comic book uh, 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 that we felt were driving the declining sales uh, and the, the, the continued uh, loss of comic book stores as they dwindle in number. Uh, and um, but also my business plan, my business pitch was we got to find a way to get these back into neighborhood markets. Like that's if I always ask people, I'd ask creators, comic book stores, fans, uh, anybody, like how did you discover a comic book? And nine times out of a 10, it was at the local drugstore, which is where I found them, at the grocery store, at the 7-Eleven. That's where I found my first comic book. And my, our whole goal was to replicate that experience writ large. Um, and the dream, in the very early days was like, maybe we can get this in front of Walmart since we're here in Arkansas. And, you know, if, if we can get some business people on the line that may have a connection, it's very, is it was a Hail Mary, but it was still not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, but as we pitched, uh, every response was more validating than the last one. And we got better and better at it. Uh, and people felt like there was really something to what we were trying to accomplish. And eventually just one door opens another through the summer of and uh, fall of 2018. Uh, Ethan was involved early on and I was on the line with a lot of talent, including many of the ones that are with us uh, today, like David Williams and Butch Geis um, and got them interested as well. And um, yeah, Ethan even flew down a couple times and was in a couple of the early pitches. And uh, it really came down to almost like a cold, like an accident, like a, like a cold call, a cold pitch. Uh, we were up in Bentonville, which is where Walmart is located. It's about three hours from out in Little Rock. And um, uh, we had our former business partner, David Martin, who helped us kind of get this off the ground uh, with us as well. And Ethan was, was here and we were in Bentonville we pitched, we had a really great session with a vendor rep company and a vendor rep company is someone who can rep you into Walmart. Uh, and they, they kind of know they have the relationships and grease all the wheels. They were very interested. And so it was really validating. We had a second pitch that was just like totally something that came together that day. Somebody that, uh, that no, none of us knew. And it was just like, we just got a, a 30 minute meeting. So we go into this guy's office and it was like shark tank and we just are just pitching and talking about our vision for a comic book company with the best talent on offer with great IP back into uh, neighborhood markets to make books discoverable and accessible for fans, especially as you know, we feel like a lot of people in suburban and smaller markets are underserved and they are uh, by comic books. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, the, the guy let us talk for 15 minutes and he just put his hand up and said, all right, I've heard enough. And uh, I remember exactly what he said. He said, I've, I see 10 of these things. I hear 10 of these things a week. And uh, by far, this is the coolest thing I've heard in years. And he said, I want you to do this whole thing in a month. We're going to bring you back in a month. I'm going to get you in a room full of people that will be interested in this and do the whole song and dance again, but in front of a group. Uh, people that might be able to help you. So we did that, sold it, or, uh, or succeeded in in convincing. There was a vendor rep in there uh, who was a former Disney executive. Uh, he was the Disney's point man to Walmart, but now he had gone independent. 
uh, and he took a great interest in what we were doing. And in that second meeting, there happened to be a, a couple of reps from a company that, uh, called ReaderLink, uh, and they are essentially they service all the books and magazines in Walmart. And but not only that, Walmart is just their biggest client. So they do like 6,000 Walmart related stores, but they service also, they service over 67,000 newsstand and bookstore locations. One out of every three books sold in the United States was distributed by this company. And they were in this meeting and they uh, really liked what we had to say. And we began a, what, uh, that was the beginning of a long negotiation and conversation with this company. And, uh, you know, over a period of, you know, through the fall, towards the end of fall, we just hammered out what a, a relationship could look like between a big distributor like that and a little startup comic book company that had a lot of room to grow in a big mass market. And they became more and more interested. And uh, our vendor rep, uh, and then Ethan and I kind of parted ways about that time as well. So he went on to do his own thing and, and we focused on what our goals were, which were fixing the problems with the comic book. Uh, essentially what we saw as problems with the whole comic book system, right? The whole top down thing we were trying to, we were trying to solve all the problems that you and I both agree that Richard Meyer very oh, yeah. well laid out in 2017 in his critique of the business. And I agreed with a great deal of that. Um, so, uh, and I appreciate that. So, um, we actually said about solve them, solve all of them, you know, great content, great creators, uh, no, non-political content, just ex totally accessible for all fans, uh, back in neighborhood markets where they can be discovered by 12 year olds again for the first time. And you can like, you know, expose them to this incredible American art form and American tradition. I mean, comic books are like apple pie and baseball, or they should be, you know, and they're not going to be that until you are able to really get them out there uh, and make them ubiquitous again. And that was our whole goal. So um, fast forward to the end of October in 2018. And I couldn't say anything about any of this. This was all top secret because and I, I was obviously putting together pitches. I was on the phone like for like weeks on end building elaborate presentations trying to draw pages, uh, but I was having some trouble and people. And so I knew the book was going to be delayed and late right. by that yes. point. I, could, I, couldn't say, I couldn't say anything because I couldn't tip our hand to our competitors because what we were on to at that, but around uh, September of 2018, we realized we were onto something really big. And if we, and our, we had invest uh, in, investors interested, but not involved at the time, uh, so this we were all just doing this pro bono, but we knew if we could succeed, it was going to be really, really big. And so we couldn't say anything to tip our hand. That's, so, go ahead. That's why I was like, okay, because you know I'm a I'm a Red Rooster backer. So there was a period there because when you did finally poke your head up, you you were like, hey, I know we haven't said anything. You went radio silent. You didn't send out any updates for a couple months there. And it just was like. Yeah, I mean, we were being pulled. Uh, well, I'll tell you the whole story. It gets crazy. Well, not the whole story. I can't tell you the whole story, but I'm going to write a book one day and reveal the whole story and it will blow everybody's minds. It's one of the craziest business stories you'll ever hear. So 
Uh, fast forward to 2018, end of, very end of October, last couple of days of October, our vendor rep has gotten us a meeting with the book spire at Walmart. And so this is our actual first meeting with someone at Walmart. It was myself and Elizabeth and our former business partner, David Martin. And uh, we, we got a one hour meeting with uh, the book spire and we just crushed it. I mean, we were just all in the zone. Elizabeth did an amazing job and I, I pitched all these different stories and told him about, you know, we're uh, what we are as a brand and had, had already kind of sketched out what our branding would kind of look like and the whole experience. And uh, he loved it. He loved it. And we found out just a couple of weeks, uh, basically a week before that meeting that Dan Didio about a year before we did flew down to uh, Arkansas and did the exact same song and dance uh, to Walmart uh, buyers and executives and got turned down, mm. got turned down. So he wanted to put DC comic books into Walmart a year before we did and uh, got rejected and we sold it. So that happened at the end of October. Uh, you know, I, I go back, I draw, I actually get pretty productive for about a, a month and a half until about Christmas, because uh, they went radio silent. You know, we're just sort of waiting to hear, are we gonna get a yes, do we have to do another pitch? Like, what's the next steps? So a few days before Christmas, we get a phone call that said, you're in, like that Walmart wants you in. They, they, they agreed to be your launch partner in this. And, it, and as immediately, as soon as we got that, we got the yes from the dis distributor, said the distributor is in. So, and, you know, basically from there, it was we started negotiating the particulars with the dis distributor um, to uh, get this whole thing rolling. And Walmart, they want the distributor at the time said we want to do. Mind you, there's zero money in this at all. Like there's just we're just doing pitches pro bono, hoping that a business plan can come together. And we had uh, approached a couple of potential investors, and they but you know nobody's putting any money into this at all. Mm. Uh, we're just, you know, winging a prayer kind of thing. So um, the initial thing was the distributor wanted eight comic books and they wanted them in uh, four months. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. That can't happen. We can't do that. First of all, we don't have any money. <laughs> Second of all, eight comic books from scratch in four months is uh, impossible. But I, at, from that moment, that was the end of 2018. And essentially I was uh, Elizabeth and myself were put on like the hamster wheel of all hamster wheels to try to pull together essentially the impossible. Um, we settled on doing four original titles um, and uh, squeezed in a few more months out of it. But even then it wasn't quite enough. I was pushing for early 2020, which seemed to be, which is much more, which would have been more realistic. Um, we, at the time, we uh, also negotiated a mutually exclusive relationship with this distribution partner, which is no joke. It's a huge announcement that I made about a week ago or earlier this week. So they service over 67,000 newsstand locations, Walmart, Target, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Kroger, Hudson News. So all the terminals, um, military bases um, and on and on and on and on down the line, tens of thousands of potential marketplaces for comic books. and we uh, basically negotiated a mutually exclusive relationship with them. So uh, that is a huge deal. So not only do we have an incredible 
opportunity to put comic books just in a Walmart with our own content and be a content creation company. But now we also are the uh, pivot point for comics and graphic novels for this, for what really the nation's one of one of, if not the nation's largest books distributor. So uh, really the sky's the limit for what we're going to do. We've held so much of our, we've been playing our cards really close to the vest and, uh, but um, uh, that's what we did in 20, the end of 2018 and early 2019. In early 2019, we started pursuing investment capital to make all this happen. Can't Artists don't work for free. So we had to, uh, and, and good artists ain't cheap. So people like Butch Geis and David Williams and Kelsey Shannon, you know, these are the best of the best, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. uh, writers like Kevin Grievux. What's that? Love Kevin. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, Kevin and, and Kelsey. Kelsey Shannon's awesome. I love Kelsey. And it's like, yeah. So that's, and then we spent the next year just trying, like, uh, spread uh, spread ourselves uh, thin as uh, a mayonnaise sandwich, I suppose. Okay. So one thing I, you know, I saw a few people, you know, just various conversations on social media and stuff like that. Okay. So when you decided on the launch titles, because you had crowdfunded Red Rooster and you had those backers waiting, some would ask, why didn't you hold Red Rooster back and make sure that it went out to the backers first, and then you could break it up and put it through your distribution network in Walmart after it had been fulfilled by to your backers. Because uh, I, it, we didn't have. There's not a lot of money. We had a couple of investors that had enough money to make, uh, you know, some books. But uh, so it's we didn't have. It's it, we're not sitting on a mountain of of cash. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, it's it's it is. The book that it was proven it's already proven so it's a we, we knew it was a great story i feel like it's you know oh yeah everything what you've released on offer so it had to come out strong uh and honestly the book went from 48 originally now it's 70 pages um and there's 70 excellent and beautiful pages the best work of my life uh and i would challenge anyone to do what we've done and also draw 70 pages at this caliber while also co-writing the book and crafting three other excellent books with the best talent on offer in contemporary comics, uh, negotiate and, and, you know, all while simultaneously negotiating the distribution deal of the 21st century, uh, and totally inventing a brand from scratch. Uh, that is a big, uh, shelf for mass, big shelf brand for mass market audiences and uh, doing the investor dance do doing everything by the book um, being simultaneously the marketing department and the customer service department and the pitch man and the designer um, I, it's it's just the way it worked and if I could have if I could have drawn faster and not slipped quality I would have if I mm. uh, if I could have gotten the story uh, put together tighter, quicker. We revised a lot of stuff, especially in the second and third acts of the story. I, I wanted uh, to ask you about time. that, actually. Sure. Um, because the reason I say that is because uh, I remember when Mark Pellegrini was originally working with you on Red Rooster. Is that not correct? Or Yeah. So uh, Red Rooster was my my vision and concept since about 2012. Um, and I had a really pretty tight idea of a lot of this Frank Cooper's character and his storyline. 
but I like working with writing partners because um, well, I'm just I, I, I love to participate in the process and I am very much a storyteller at heart, but I like a collaborator on that side of the process. So um, we met Mark uh, through um, some he's a, he's a Little Rock resident. So we met him through and so is Tim Lim. And I think we just kind of met them through. I can't remember exactly, but um, but we met them and, uh, you know, I kind of took Mark and had a couple of meetings and I felt like he had some, uh, maybe could help me out. I usually work with Patrick, our chief operating officer, but he was working at, he was like his, he just, his job was grinding him into dust. So he didn't have the time to um, collaborate with me on the red rooster project. So we brought Mark in and he helped me sort of take all these elements and refine them and get a, uh, one of those gray hairs on Mitch's head. Yes. <laughs> I have aged in presidential years. In <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, so we brought Mark in and he did a good job at helping us kind of take some loose threads and, and time on together and weaved a pretty, uh, weaved what I felt was a already a pretty tight story, but weaved it all, helped us weave it all together. Um, and, uh, not, not only just the, the golden age project, but kind of visualizing some of the next steps of the red rooster storyline, cause this will be a serial. Um, but, and then he, he, uh, the process is like very collaborative. Uh, so we're beating it out and put, you know, up on the wall and got the whole thing story arcs real tight and we're working together on this and he writes the script. Um, and I felt like the, uh, it is essentially, I think Mark is a very talented writer, but he wasn't the right fit for the book long-term. That's, that's really he, that's where I was going yeah, uh, so, because uh, there was some tweets. It was what about a couple months ago, I guess when the first, maybe right before you guys had the first issue in the Walmart stands and everything. And there was some tweets going around and it kind of, kind of looked like uh, you and uh, Mr. Pellegrini had differing opinions or something. It just kind of looked based on what he was like, they changed, they altered my script and some, that kind of thing. And I was like, oh. I work for hire. So, you know, okay. he, he, People will say, I mean, I don't know. I, this Mark is his own man. So uh, Mark is his own man and he has his own opinions about things. And I appreciate uh, the work he did while he was with us and he was paid well for it. And um, then that's business and, and that's that's life. And I think Mark is talented and he'll certainly find his own way through his life and career. And um, and uh, certainly we appreciate the, his contributions to Red Rooster. But, you know, ultimately we're, we have kind of taken it. Uh, well, I've taken it in the direction that I, I wanted to go. I mean, it is, it's my book and I'm, I'm going uh, to tell the story. Uh, I'm going to tell the hell of a story and it's going to be excellent. And uh, I'm certainly very proud of it. And uh, but Mark has other stories to tell. Mm. You could be a politician, sir. <laughs> but let me, I, I see well, this. I'm a, I'm a CEO. So, um, and I do think Mark is talented and he does have a bright future. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I I would have loved if it had it worked out a little differently, but it, it didn't. Okay. So we've got this from uh, Corey Lee in the chat. He says, I'm a huge fan and believer, but what would you say to those baggers that feel they, they lost out on the special feeling of being your ardent defenders for a product that went out to mass market? Yeah. So uh, with the back, I'm almost done <laughs> for one. 
we are working very hard to make sure that when the book, the box, the package arrives in your mailbox, that uh, you feel extremely special. Uh, we are taking great care for the whole package. You're getting a custom box. Uh, I'm actually probably going to get, um, uh, I'm going to actually get some mock-ups of that today or maybe Monday. So from the whole experience, from the unboxing to the signature, uh, every book gets signed, uh, gold foil on the cover, exclusive back matter content, 10, at, at least 10 bonus pages, more than what you paid for, um, and, and including uh, some extra little bonuses in your package for all backers. Uh, so we've gone to great lengths and are still going to great lengths to make sure that the golden age package is extremely special. So I think we'll recapture that, that feeling. And then uh, over time, I think there's definitely, I mean, most of our, our backers have been incredibly enthusiastic and supportive, especially once we, we've been pretty as transparent as possible as to what we're doing with them. Um, but uh, there's definitely some hurt feelings among some backers and I certainly uh, empathize and understand where those are coming from. But I, I also am you know, letting them know, I, I, think, I think most of them are gonna be very, very happy and then over time, as they see what we're really doing by changing the distribution uh, system um, and releasing the top level, top tier content by high caliber pros consistently year over year, uh, I just think, uh, you know, they're going to be I think they're going to be incredibly proud that they were supporters of this initially. And they're going to have a hell of a story to tell about how they were there first and they saw that this could not just be a great comic book, but a great series and a great company and just an incredible opportunity for a lot of other creatives. Well, uh, like I say, you've released, you released digitals of the first two and I also have digitals of uh, Norris Saga and Bass Reeves and, and Futurist. Uh, I, I must say the, the and and I saw several YouTubers. They did like, hey, I've gone to Walmart and I've got uh, you know I've got these Allegiance Arts books off the bed. Um, and outside of the pricing sticker that they kept putting on the comments, that seemed to be yeah. uh, frustrating. Um, or is that that's being corrected, or is yeah. that so going the, on? The issue with that is is oh, we spent so much time uh, and and money uh, developing like a a the most we tried to make the most beautiful comic books you've ever seen. I mean, because we knew we couldn't go to market with something that was, you know, halfway there. You know what I mean? Like we had to blow the big boys out of the water if we were going to uh, jump in this deep end of the pool like we did. So uh, from storyline to art and even the branding and everything and the paper quality, like we went like we every detail was poured over <laughs> and then the books arrive uh in in the shelf and they have stickers on them <laughs> we lost it i mean lost it we were so upset um and we had just paid i mean we just printed a hundred and thirty thousand comic books and we're like is every book stickered like how screwed are we the collectors are going to be like we thought oh we were so i mean they, we've got them here in murfreesboro and they do look fantastic but yes stickers yeah so we had the stickers on them well, I think it ultimately, yeah, we're, so the deal is, is our distributor, if you go into Walmart, they service all the books and magazines. Um, every book in Walmart has a sticker and it all, it goes through one of our distributors, five centers. 
and every book gets a sticker. And so when our books went through, they just didn't even think about, we didn't anticipate it. Nobody anticipated it. It just, they ended up with stickers and uh, it, it was a, it was a hot mess and we were really upset and we immediately called our distribution distributor. But, uh, and then, so issue two, they put the word out to all the distribution centers. Hey, don't sticker these books. These are collectibles and yada, 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 and periodicals. So and we had a little bit more success. I think a couple of the DCs didn't put the stickers on them, but the rest of them did. So we, what we found out is getting a ship to turn around, a ship that's it's automatic for them. So getting them to turn a ship around like that on a dime isn't going to work. For episode three's release, uh, we uh, talked with our printer. So the books go from the printer to the distribution centers. And, you know, we handle all those logistics. So logistics is another thing we have to deal with, like printing these displays. Yeah. That was like a crazy wild Mr. Toad's, Mr. Toad's wild ride. Everything is crazy uh, doing this for the first time. This is 3,400 displays we had to make uh, and pay for <laughs> and find yeah. money to it. So we had to go pitch investors. Anyway, I'm getting off topic, the stickers. So we're going to have our printer put, uh, paper, like uh, flyers, bright red or neon green flyers with red letters that say comics are collectibles. Do not sticker like in every single box and stickers around the box. So we're going to extreme links to make sure that the next episodes are not stickered. So I think we'll have a lot more success. Okay. So was that Lakeem Amir? I probably butchered that. So I just came in. How much influence did he have over the news article that seemed to throw CG under the bus? Now I've seen uh, especially on on Twitter and Facebook, people uh, were not happy about the uh, the uh, news article that came Good out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we took all the heat for it. Okay, and so okay, so you weren't you weren't like, hey, write this and say no, this I, or I, whatever. I, look, th uh, we had a great interview with this guy. He was really cool. Uh, we got along. You know, I get along with everybody. Like I said before the show, I I treat everybody nice until they don't treat me nice. So um, we had a great conversation with this guy. We thought he was very, he loved our books. Uh, he loved, uh, he was just really impressed with our lineup of uh, creators and the content and everything. And then he wanted to do a follow-up call and he wanted to talk about all this controversial stuff. And apparently he had just gone down the rabbit hole and he had friends. He's from, he's a, he's writing for an Arkansas paper, but he lived in Brooklyn, right? New York. So, uh, he had friends in the comic book industry and started asking them about stuff. I don't know who these friends were, but anyway, they filled his head through, full of gunk that conformed to his more extreme political left-wing political beliefs that I don't agree with, um, obviously. And uh, we did a follow-up interview and essentially he, sp he turned the whole article around in a way that we were not happy with. And, mm. We told him on the phone, he's like, hey, you're disparaging these people that are fans and uh, we don't appreciate that. And there are really good people involved in uh, whatever, whatever. I know Comicsgate is a million different things to a million different people. But from our experience, there are awesome fans involved. Absolutely. Um, and there are definitely uh, like with all groups, there are also not so great aspects of groups, you know, so we just don't really play the group thing. But we defended the fans and then. Wrote, I wrote him an email and said, hey, you shouldn't uh, do this. Uh, I highly recommend, I highly encourage you not to do this uh, and take this course of action I think you're going to take. 
And then the article comes out and of course it is exactly what we thought it might be. And that's the way it happened. And then, so, in, in, so we get blamed of course, for, uh, for all of it. And uh, some very unfortunate people uh, with influence uh, we found out basically took some messaging that wasn't accurate and not even accurate to the article itself and basically dumped on us and started turning fans against us for whatever reason. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a nice way to play baseball to me. Uh, certainly not the way I play baseball, Antonio. Um, <laughs> but like I said, I'm not, I am nice until I'm not until I, until you're not nice to me, I guess. So that's the way that happened. And we were very upset about it. Well, let me see here. Papa Kinesu says it's an art in itself <laughs> pulling off stickers without destroying yeah. the cover. Sad to report my Nora saga number two suffered an injury. Uh, yeah, Nora was so Nora has white covers. Kelsey's designing those books with very light covers on them. And the re everyone has trouble with Nora because since it's the white of the paper, it doesn't have that layer of ink, which makes it a little slicker, right? So when you try to peel the sticker off the white, it has a, it's much more likely to tear the paper. So with episode three, we've had Kelsey put just a little bit of gray tone in that area, just in case. So um, if they do sticker your episode three, you're going to have an easier time getting that off. All the other books were uh, a little easier if you were careful because of the layer of ink on the top. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hammer of Doom says, did Mitch record his interview? So I'm assuming. No, I didn't think no. I did but I will from here on out. <laughs> I'm assuming there's a, there's a lot. I will take my interviews with permission, obviously. Let's see. It's not nice to take people without their permission. Yeah. Don't do that. I, I agree with that. In some places, it's illegal. Uh, R2D2. It's in Arkansas, by the way. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, R2D2 for Life says, I'm old school. I prefer individual issues, more fun and more authentic. Uh, let's see here. And then Slick Rick says, ah, EBS is right, though. You should have let him know it made it known. You thought it was a hatchet job. What did you expect? I uh, did. I didn't let him know, um, but I certainly expressed my public frustrations both on Instagram and Facebook where I shared the article. So I was very public about it on day one. So, so let me see. Cause but he also uh, the other side of that coin is he he should have called me instead of blasting putting putting me on blast saying I was in league with the SJW SJWs in the title of his video or hinting that which was unfortunate and I think he changed the title of his video which I appreciate. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I was like, I was like, some of this is news to me. I had saw some stuff on Twitter and I was like, I had no idea. I was like, okay. I'm like, you know, it's like. People are telling me. I remember when when Doug was here the other day. People were like, "Oh, this is that." And I was like, "I have no idea." Uh, I've it's like uh, I've been on a detox, <laughs> so I, I, I was like, stuff was going on, and I you know it's like trying to scramble and get Kane in. I was like, "We need these. We need this art so we can do this and do that." You know, just trying to do mm -hmm. uh, do things and try oh, to. No, I, I do life yeah. is we we are so busy, <clears throat> so we don't pay attention like like. I, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, Kelsey and, Sherman is in the chat. Yo, uh, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, like on comic book YouTube or comic book Twitter or any of that stuff. Like I am the CEO of a publishing company with two times the, the distribution of Marvel and DC. And our day to day is just full of 
meetings and trying to draw as much as I can when I can. Uh, and so I have no idea what's going on. And then we just get blindsided by stuff. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, we're just busy and run a, a business that put, helps put the food on a lot of people's tables. So we're very engaged in that responsibility and are very unaware of sort of what's going on. Okay. Let me, cause I see this one from Barry, uh, well, cause I don't think this is true, but you can address it. Okay, Mitch used the CG backers' money. I don't know where this comes from, Antonio, because yeah. I don't think they're backers. Because if they were backers, they would have read my updates, uh, where you know I basically have been as transparent as possible. We have uh, in we sought investors in early 2019 and successfully did so. In fact, Elizabeth and I just brought in uh, a, our largest investor yet uh, in the month of. Uh, at the end of July and early August. So this uh, money, this, the Allegiance Arts and Entertainment is capitalized by invest, uh, investors. Okay. Uh, we're very, very proud of, to have them on board with us. So just for the record, when you do finish the last page of Red Rooster and it's all color and everything, you have funds to print it and fulfill it. All that. They're in their books. Okay. In their books. It's all good. I think most people that even the ones that are upset with you don't think that you're not going to send them the Red Rooster book. I haven't seen many people say, oh, he's not sending us the book. They're complaining about uh, when the book comes because it went to Walmart first. Yeah. yeah. And there was just it, it, it that I understand and I empathize with that for sure. Uh, I know I would, if I was in their situation, I would have a, a twinge of frustration as well. But uh, what we, we, we did the impossible, like literally did the impossible um, with, it's a quite a harrowing journey. I can't wait to tell you the whole story. Um, but uh, we did the impossible and I'm drawing a 70 page book and it's gonna be amazing. The story is beautiful and heartfelt and the art will be amazing and everyone will be very pleased and pleasantly surprised when they get their packages. Well, okay. Well, moot point. I don't like to say, um, well, there are no backers from 2017. <laughs> it was 2018, but I mean, yeah, that's neat. Is, is he one year and six months late? I and believe I will be getting a copy done. of Red Rooster. That, that? That, I believe I will be receiving a copy of Red Rooster. You will definitely be receiving a copy. So let me let me see. Let me get to And soon. Uh, and soon. I'm nearly done. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, so so hold on. Let me, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm in the middle of the last issue now inking it. So okay, Barry Whitwell is back, Lisa. So you're saying from the start you told backers they won't get the comic first. And it will he did send that out in an update, and that's when I say you did send out an update uh uh letting everybody know that you know the book was gonna be broken up into but that the completed book would be received by, which obviously a lot of people were upset about. I, there, are, you know, your comment section on Indiegogo has been rather spicy. Well, uh, look, it's it's an outside. It's a most people are very understanding. So, look, we've got three thousand five hundred backers, and um, there's been a couple hundred refunds, right? But that is not that. I I get it. Right. I think a lot of them say things. A lot of them are saying things that aren't inaccurate. So I think people are I think there are possibly people that make YouTube videos or or spread stuff about us on Twitter where I'm oh not. Oh, my watching. God. Uh, and I, think people, your name? 
I think people believe things that are inaccurate. So I don't search myself. I don't, I don't look at it. I don't pay any attention. I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm a very busy guy uh, and doing incredible things for comic books. So uh, I believe that people might be plugging into narratives being spun by rumor mongers that are saying things that are not true or inaccurate, or it's that whole like, you know, unnamed sources say that this is what's really going on. None of it's none of it's true at all. We're here running a comic book company and delivering an incredible uh, graphic novel uh, in the form of Red Rooster Golden Age to everybody. And we're I'm drawing my butt off. We work every single day, Elizabeth and I both. We have a huge amount of responsibilities. We it's just the two of us plus our one employee, um, and that's it running this whole deal. So it's uh, don't believe rumor mongers. And, and uh, yeah, I, I challenge uh, Barry here, you know, like Mitch has denied this multiple times. He, I remember even in uh, this there is, was a list of things that came is, when you sent out a background date of yeah. what, and, and you were like, there were, there were, there were a bunch of mistruths that were this being person wrong. This person is not right and not accurate at all. Okay, that's why I'm saying you've denied this multiple times. That I don't. Need, yeah, the, it's, it's so ridiculous that I don't even need to make a denial. I mean, we have investors. Our investors are quoted in that Times article, which I've read. Yes. Yes. It's, it, this is just stop. This must be coming from somewhere else. So it's certainly not coming from me. Uh, and I, 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 for some reason, I think we're. We're, we're talked about. It's it's quite strange, Antonio. Okay, so Black Star Thirteen, uh, who is part of the Skits Comic Team. Hey, how you doing? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, they've been on this channel. Uh, we are back as received the updates and have all first two episodes of Red Rooster Batteries, The Futurist, and North Saga from Walmart. I reviewed them on my show. Come get some. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. So. Let me see here. There's some more stuff. And let me see. Please hold. Um, like criticism is fair here, but please don't use. It was like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's why you have the wrenches, people. Take care of it, please. <laughs> that is, like I said. Um, uh, I don't think uh, uh, Mitch is, uh, you know, a, a dainty flower, and he. he <laughs> <laughs> like he's not. Oh my God! You know. No, uh, I'm. I'll, I'll. I'll hang. You know. But it's, it's it's your playground, Antonio. That's why I'm like, yeah. I, I just um. But yeah, it it does seem like there is because because that's the thing. I've 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 dealt with some of that too because you know I you know I was, I've heard I I stole money and I did this or yeah. whatever and all this and don't was, say anything to get under your skin, Antonio. And it's not very many of them. It's a very small number. Uh, there's we, what we figured out is essentially there's a, a, a two or three dozen people that essentially just follow us around to downvote everything, troll us everywhere we go, make our Indiegogo page a mess, downvote every positive comment. Um, but if you look at the actual data that we see, it's from the back end, it's an incredibly small uh, but vocal number of people. And unfortunately, it it's it's just very unfortunate, in, in my opinion. Okay, so let me see here. Moot, Moot point in the chat says it's uh, too bad it's too late for a refund. I know you guys refunded. Elizabeth was refunding people all last week, so this oh. is also not true. Again, like people just will. There's narratives, and I think people are more interested in a narrative from YouTube or Twitter 
than perhaps they are and what's really going on. So uh, we just, that Times article and misrepresentation of it um, gave us a number of refunds over the last number of weeks, which is unfortunate because now all those backers are going to miss this incredible opportunity and this incredible project, which is sad for them. But uh, that information is inaccurate. But uh, and and Barry, um, he just he just said that the the reporter from the article uh, kind of did a hatchet job on it, where it was just so I I don't know how much of that I'm I don't know. Just read it for yourself. Just yeah. read it for yourself. That's fine with me. I mean, I think I've read I've heard I, I actually don't. Uh, uh, Elizabeth has heard things and she relays them to me. So, uh, but. Some of the stuff that's being attributed to us is so outrageous. And if you just read the article, it's like completely different. So just read the article. It's linked up on uh, our social media pages. Oh, okay. So let me see. Uh, the I can't even say this. Uh, the inoxorable word nerd said, sure, you poor victim, 200K richer to start a business. You are just trying to run an honest business. How dare backers ask for their book? Ah. I, I don't. I don't know how to answer that. That's not even a question. It's just like okay, whatever. Uh, I'm not a victim of anything other than um, I'm just a, a dude working his ass off, uh, trying to make the best comic books available. And if people don't want to read the best comic books on the market, then maybe they're not comic book fans. What do you think, Antonio? Because, like I said, this whole thing. Our books, are maybe outside of brand <laughs> and a couple others, our books are the best books. Well, I, uh, so no, I, I, yours was, uh, I was trying to meet, you know, I, I know that's what me and Kanan, we were looking at like Cyber Frog and Red Rooster. There were a couple of books that we were like, okay, uh, we want to have that type of quality. I think, uh, you know, when people are receiving the books, um, you know, Obviously, we've been late and all that kind of thing. And, and but when they are receiving them, I'm getting a lot of comments and emails and stuff. And people are are very happy with the quality, the print quality, the whole deal. Um, you know, so that that has been, you know, uh, uh, that makes me feel good when I when I hear from back. It's like, yeah, OK, I kind of bitched at you a little bit, but the book yeah. was really good. <laughs> and yeah. So um, I, I know, the, dude, I, I feel you. Um, and you know, also people forget we we ran our allegiance bundle campaign at the end of 2019 to get people introduced to our three other titles: Bass Reeves, uh, Nora Saga, and The Futurists. And that campaign on time. Like so, we've learned all those lessons. If if I could draw if I could draw 70 pages while juggling and spinning all these plates, I would have done it obviously because it would have made my life a lot simpler. Duh. Uh, but the other campaign fulfilled on time, and that's what to what's what people should expect. Yeah, yeah and I saw people uh, doing videos on those, and oh, those books did look great, by the way. Um, Thanks, I just sir. had digitals on those, but but um, I want to answer Eric. Um, let me see. Um, well, first of all, thank you for backing uh, uh, both Brand One and Way of the Gun. I appreciate that. Um, I'm actually prepared. That was you know, I was up all night. Uh, you know, getting ready for this. And I, I've been sitting here packing and doing stuff. Um, I'm getting the next shipment to go out now. Uh, I'm happy to, uh, if you will send me a DM, 
I will uh, make sure your book is in the next shipment. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Just just uh, reach out to me either on uh, Twitter or just send me a message through Indiegogo and hit me up and I can with your backing number. I'll get you right in there. OK, um, so uh, that's let me see. Ah, da, 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 da. Um, let's see. OK. Mr. Whitwell, I don't. Like I said, I, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to keep going to you because I, I kind of want other people because like I said, there I'm not here asking you to love Mitch. <laughs> I'm like, hey, love Mitch and blah, blah. But I feel like we've we've tried to take uh comments from you at least what three times now. And I, I don't want I, I kind of want to give other people opportunity uh, while we do have a few more moments here with Mr. Brightweiser to uh, try to, you know, I don't know, but I'm not seeing. Let me see. Okay. Let me see this one. Uh, lock it up. Man. If people are going to start throwing mud at each other, here's my two cents. I don't like it when it rains. But no. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Black Star 13. Hey. All right. Uh, you're doing a great job as someone who has a follow what's going on. I see both sides are talking. Would be great to get Mitch on. Come get some and talk about the art and storyline. Love that. I love talking about our storylines and our art because that's what I'm that's what we're in the business of doing. Right. I mean, so our business is to produce the best of those two things. Uh, so I love talking about that. I'd love to do that. OK. So uh, Justin Carter, he says, I just got here. When will the book be out? Okay, so I, I'm in the middle of inking on the last issue. So it, I've, fulfillment items are on order. I've got my posters on hand. We've got our custom boxes should be coming in, to, uh, like our samples coming in today. Everything's sort of coming together around the second week of October time frame. Uh, so that's pretty much where all the pieces and components are going to be arriving and coming in together. So sometime during October, books will be moving out to backers and it will obviously take a bit of time, but we're going to try to be as organized as possible and condense that time frame into as short a time frame as possible. But it's very soon. It's very, very soon. And um, I'm uh, I've cleared as much of my schedule as possible and I'm just finishing these books. Okay. So, so it's did, very so, let's see. Okay. Corey Lee, Mitch. Start getting their books in October. That's yeah. although some of them may trickle into November. That's basically what I'm saying. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Mitch, as much as you can, what are the future plans for expanded titles? Would you be open to having some kind of licensing deal a la prime era image. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Like doing like a boom studios type deal. Yeah. Something. So got uh, both of those. I can answer both of those questions. We have exciting plans to expand our product lineup and our pro proprietary title. So the things that we are owned by allegiance arts and created in house. Um, we have a book we're going to be debuting in the backs of this is, a, this is announcements for your channel. This is, you know, uh Oh, am I getting the exclusive Bryce exclusive? Yes. So uh, we have, we're gonna be launching a five or six page preview of a new a new Allegiance title in the backs of our episode three books, except for Red Rooster, which Red Rooster is gonna be 26 pages. So uh, that's gonna be a lot of content. 
Uh, but in the back of Bass and the Futurists and Nora for episode three, we're going to debut a new title called The Saints. Uh, and it is a uh, contemporary, I would just call it uh, Tom Clancy meets Dan Brown. So like Da Vinci Code meets SEAL Team 6 kind of thing. It's it's Special Forces archaeology. Uh, and I'll get deeper into the pitch later on, but I want to just kind of surprise people with this incredible art. Uh, and I'll make a, the artist announcement here soon as well. Uh, but it's looking real good and he's working on it now. And so we're going to debut a new title and, and hopefully not long after that, we'll not debut another one as well. So we're not just doing the four books and that's it. Uh, we are definitely here to stay and grow and expand our lineup. And to the other point, uh, that answer is uh, mostly yes. So uh, the we negotiated, like I said, the distribution deal of the 21st century. Uh, our distributor services over 67,000 lo uh, retail locations, both in newsstand and bookstores. And Walmart just happens to be their biggest client. Uh, and our uh, deal with them is mutually exclusive. So that gives us essentially a, a side business where we can act as like the Harper Collins for comics and graphic novels for other authors. So deserving and meritorious projects uh, do have a pathway to mass market through our channel. And that's um, not the business we're focused on right now. Right now we're focused on our content and the Walmart thing, but eventually, but soon we'll be into trade paperbacks uh, and act through those trade paperbacks. We'll be able to go to places like Target and bookstores and Hudson News, Amazon. all by our distribution partner. And we would love to provide that uh, platform for other content creators uh, as a traditional publisher. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I announced on uh, like earlier this week, which I, you know, is kind of blown by the comic book industry news and no one's, I guess they're whistling past the graveyard a little mm -hmm. bit, but um, we, we are going to blow it out and we want, we definitely want other creators because what we see on our end is a revolution in Comic books aren't dying. They're just metamorphosizing. <laughs> just stumble all over that word. Um, they're, they're turning into something that's going to be really cool. I, I see a creator renaissance occurring right now. There's all kinds of people that are going to that first see that crowdfunding mechanism, which was going to work for a lot of talent. People are calling me like high profile artists and creators and um, being like, oh, ask me about their crowdfunding projects and if like what we're doing and if they can publish through us. And the answer is yes and yes. Uh, some of these books are going to kill it. It's going to be an exciting year for independent uh, creator owned comic books. And beyond that, I think it's going to be an exciting pathway for a lot of these projects that are really have a lot of legs to go well beyond crowdfunding and find their successes in bookstores and mass market, mass market merchandisers. And we uh, can be the company that helps provide that platform. Okay. Uh, I've got a question from Brad Freddy on Periscope. Uh, hello to all our Periscope watchers. Uh, how are sales in Walmart going? Is there a possibility of a line extension? So uh, sales are good despite some you know, stickers and pickups, yeah, right? I mean, there's obviously COVID and the retail uh, slowdown of the summer. You know, I guess we're in some, I, I don't know what we're in, a recession or like a pandemic, I guess, whatever. Uh, but uh, so that slowed some things down and slowed the merchandisers down. Well, uh, we've had some hiccups with our dot-com listing. It was, we blew through 65% of our online inventory in the first 
three weeks. Uh, oh, but then wow. our thing got a little foobar and it's been tough to fix it. So we've hired some experts to deal with that. Um, we've taken a bit of a pause on the publishing to try to fix some of our in-store merchandising issues. That includes the stickers, which we addressed earlier. <laughs> yes. Um, where our distributor is doing a survey of, again, we're in three, supposedly we were, we were targeting 3,384 Walmart stores. So they're doing a survey to see how many people have their displays up and are properly merchandised. And then we're going to print some more displays for stores that might not have done it correctly or got rid of them. So, uh, we are just we're doing a number of things to make sure that this is going to be a permanent line of books uh, within not only maybe just Walmart, but uh, perhaps other big retailers as well. So we've, we've got some lines open to other retailers also, but yes, uh, the sales are good. In fact, we just had a call with our vendor rep a couple days ago who feels very strongly about it. He said, there's a real big case to make that, um, so he's, he's going to be going back to the buyer and saying and making a case to put us on the permanent Walmart planogram, which is uh, not, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, tease that out, but, or cause it's not a done deal yet, but yeah. uh, that's uh but we're working to that end and everyone feels pretty, feels very good about making that case. So uh, this is essentially what you wish as a pilot program, but, uh, there's a lot of positive energy around it and we're selling a lot of books every single month and people are are very happy and they feel like if we could be properly merchandised uh with a permanent spot in the store that there's a, a case to make uh for this being a very long-term um initiative within walmart and perhaps other retailers so let me uh okay so erica says mitch with the canceled orders are you just going to make a smaller print run or can we purchase those books uh, so I will be everyone that canceled their books will also, again, this is a couple hundred refunds. So I will definitely be printing all of their books. Uh, I feel badly uh, that they're missing out. Um, but that's just uh, the way of the gun, Antonio Brand. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so I feel badly that they're missing out, but every, it, we get several comments like that every single week of people like, Hey, I missed the campaign, but I love your books and I'd like to get, my hands on that because um, I know it's going to be a limited print run. But so we are going to print everyone that refunded. Those books will be printed, and um, that. But it, it's not. We're not going to. You know, we're just going to consider it that it's going to be one print run, and it's going to be around. Four, I mean, approximately four thousand books will print because uh, we'll have to print extras in case of damages during shipping and yeah. things like lost in the mail and things like that that happens. Like, giveaways to influencers and you know various things that you got to print a little bit extra uh, but we're not going to go and print 10,000 books it's going to be very limited and very exclusive and uh, we will make um, any leftovers if we have a you know those books that were refunded will be offered to customers that are willing and wanting uh, or that maybe regretted uh, backing out or had to back out due to like medical emergency or finances or whatever a lot of cases like that too a lot of people like that Okay, so let me get this one from uh, Happy Roy because I know we're winding down here. So let me see. Sometimes it's tough uh, to find yeah. the Allegiance display. Any tips on how to find them in different locations? I know on your website, the AllegianceArts.com, there is a, lo a store locator there. That's right. Yeah, so um, you go to AllegianceArts.com at the very top of the page are the three buttons you'll need uh, to get to our books. One is the store locator. The other one is... Uh, order online, which will take you a direct link to Walmart, to our books on walmart.com. And you can order them there. 
and they come sticker free by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, all the dot com books are sticker free. So go to our website, click the button, free shipping with orders over $30. So if you buy all eight books, you uh, will get them all, you'll get free shipping. Uh, and uh, we also have digital versions available as well on our website. So you can download digital versions if you're an international customer. Yeah. Uh, so Justin says you can order them. So check, check the, uh, check the, uh, store locator for one, make sure that your stores are on that store locator list. So we're in 3,384. We didn't make it into all of them. And it's not just us. We're told we were frustrated, but our, our reps tell us that it's everybody and it's just Walmart. So there's a lot of variance from store to store. So uh, uh, check that first. And if, if you're on our list, it, it's either going to be in the book section or in the entertainment section somewhere. So we're, we're in the book. The books and entertainment are the same people, the same department managers, the same buyers. And we're going to be somewhere in that area. So sometimes people say we're in the electronics. So it's really just where those merchandisers could find a place to hang the display and, or place it. And it's not always the same in every store. That's why we're making a, 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 a case to Walmart to get on the what's called the planogram, which is their permanent approved corporate headquarters. This is where it goes. Don't deviate. It's the planogram. It's like the it's the uh, it's the blueprint for where everything goes in the Walmart store. So we are uh, going to be going through that process hopefully real soon. And, and we are very hopeful. And, and I see yeah. this question from Vazen, uh, Vazen Kazi and just saying that Walmart doesn't ship internationally. No. Uh, is there a way, can you, you, there's some stuff on your Allegiance Arts website, but I don't know if you can, you, you're just facilitating them to another location, right? Or Yeah. Well, you could, if right now uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a bummer because we would love, we have a lot of international fans and people that bought the bundle uh, campaign that were international and they want to read these books too. So we have digital editions. Uh, we have digital editions that are available on our website. Uh, if you really want to take a look and read these books uh, or just want to prefer that kind of convenience, uh, we're working through it. So we, we may, we're in the dis discussions of possibly even offering them on our website, physical editions with overseas shipping is complicated. I'd need to hire somebody because I can't, Elizabeth and I can't sit here and box up orders, you know, uh, with all the things we have going on. So it's just a logistics thing. Um, yeah, Walmart does us, us territories and military bases, but that's the extent of their shipping arrangements. Uh, but we'll, we'll, it's actively being discussed, but it's, it, there are, you know, hurdles that we have to figure out and well, jump through. Well, Vaz and Kazi says doing Indiegogo campaign for trade paperbacks later on, and I will definitely back. Awesome. All right. Yeah, we, okay. we can do that. Yeah, that's uh, something we've discussed. All right. Well, Mitch, this has been fun. I, I certainly appreciate your time here, man. This, uh, this is, you know, like I said, I've been wanting to talk to you like this for a while. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously there were some uh, difficult questions as well, no, but you fine. It's fine. Like uh, the weird thing is, is like I, I have I have no problem doing these because we have nothing to hide. We've been very transparent. It's just that there are all these crazy narratives running around about us and in um, that over 
a book that's uh, one year and six months late, uh, which is unfortunate. And I empathize with everyone in regards to that. But um, other than that, I feel like uh, we've had flawless execution. Our other campaign was on time. We've been as transparent as possible. We've done the impossible. We, we uh, instead of sitting on our hands and uh, we took the risk, we went out and did it. We addressed the issues, uh, Antonio, of the comic book industry and put our skin in the game to fix them from the distribution side to the content side to the creator side to the, I mean, we're doing the best we can with customer service as well. Uh, we're not antagonizing our fan base. Uh, our creators are, you know, I think we're picking very industrious and responsible creators with like many of them with lifetime legacies uh, in, in this industry, like Kevin Grievix. I mean, these are uh, elder statesmen of our hobby and our industry. And um, we, we put, we put our skin in the game and got off our butts and did it. And we're extremely proud of it. And I would just encourage everybody to, um, if they're hearing something that's crazy about us, just uh, maybe think twice about it because uh, what we're, we're doing something incredible. And I would hate for someone to believe something that isn't true and then have them miss out on these incredible books by these incredible creators that we are just at, that we're just starting to make. Well, all right. Well, let me uh, let me do the closeout on this bad boy because uh, we're going to let Mitch get out of here. But you can uh, link up with him there. Obviously, he's on social media as well, uh, at least on Instagram. I see you're still there. Um, yep. And but and I think there's an Allegiance Arts Facebook page as well. Or Right. Yep. And then, of course, you can go to AllegianceArts.com. You can catch the audio from this particular broadcast at anchor.fm slash Press, and it will also be on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio probably within the next two hours here. Uh, and I want to thank uh, my dear friend Jamal Baraka and the good folks over at Planet EJOBN for agreeing to host this and many of our other chats. Uh, and of course, if you are on one of the other platforms watching, you can hop into the direct chat at uh, youtube.com slash Akari Press. Oh, we have a cat on the screen. Oh, you uh, went to the very end. <laughs> yeah, but uh, other than that, uh, catch me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and right here on YouTube, all at Akari Press. And if you type in AkariPress.com, it will take you to brand way of the gun. We are creeping towards 30K. Thank you guys so much for the support. Uh, Mitch, I'll give you the last word and I'll close this bad boy out. All right, man. I think I've had my my say. I really appreciate you opening up your platform to me and the whole Allegiance Arts uh, uh, thing we're doing here. And uh, yeah, well, wish you best of luck. It was great catching up with you, Antonio. Yes, sir. All right. Guys, you have a great rest of your day. We're out. <laughs>